come back from LA. My wife and I drove down there. We had to rent an SUV. They ended up giving us a, a Ford Explorer, one of the newer ones. Nice upgraded, certainly, from the ones of yesteryear. But we drove that down. And we had to take three toilets with us. Now, oh, if you if you remember the sermon from two or three weeks ago, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. My my daughter and her husband bought a house down in the Bay Area, and they're renovating it, so they bought these three toilets. But supposedly, whatever company it was, because she really liked this particular style, couldn't deliver them to her, so had, she had them delivered to mom and dad in Oregon. Nice. <laughs> we have a little Chevy Sonic. It wasn't going to work to bring it down there. Because we're going to stop at their house on the way down to L.A. Uh, and pick them up and go on down to the, uh, our daughter's commencement down from UCLA. And our son was going to come up from San Diego. And so we had to rent a vehicle. And kind of like, once a parent, always a parent. It's just, it's just kind of always that way. And you mom and dads out there kind of know what I mean. They didn't stop at 18. They're, they're still your kids. They're still going to need things. And so we, we drove it on down there. But, but we got this uh, Ford Explorer. And it has Sirius XM radio. And so they have this screen in the middle there between the passenger and driver's seat, and it tells you the song and, and the, like the year and the, the, the artists, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I learned some things about songs from a long time ago I didn't know. Like one song I've been singing the wrong way for a long time, and I didn't know it, so I was kind of embarrassed. It's a song by, some of you guys are gonna remember, some of you the younger folks aren't gonna remember this group, but uh, Paul Notes. Uh, yeah. and, you guys, you guys don't, okay. <laughs> Aaron back there, she likes them. They did a song, uh, um, Your Kiss is on My List. Yes. And so for 30 years now, I've been singing to my wife, Your Kiss is on My Lips. <laughs> I got to thinking about it for a while, going, I'm not embarrassed. I kind of like my version. <laughs> but anyway, that's to my wife, anyway. <laughs> um, but it's done like 1980 or 81, so I, I've had it wrong in my head all these years. We probably all have heard a song. We realized sometime later what the words really were. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize saying that. Yeah. Well, when it comes to God, He's been singing to us for a lot of generations. He's even sent His His love letters, His words to us as a loving Father, wanting His children with us. And we have misunderstood those words for a long time. Sometimes we've just made innocent mistakes and not understanding, or didn't know enough. Sometimes we didn't want to hear it the way it really was. We wanted to change it because we just didn't want to do any more. But we've been singing the wrong song in life because we haven't sung it God's way. Sometimes we can be a little embarrassed when we find that out. Sometimes we can be good-natured about it and be humble and say, yeah, I want to do that. But sometimes we can continue to rebel. Well, I was born this way, I'll die this way. In that attitude? got to be willing to say, no, I want God's way. And whatever humility I need to have to make it God's way, I want to do. I want to sing back to, to God the way I should be singing back to God. I want to understand his letters the way he meant for me to understand them. I hope you do. I hope you want that. No matter what experiences you've had, religious, not religious, or wherever you've been, no matter how crazy you've gotten down the, the hedonistic path of life, no matter where that will come back, you know, I'm going to sing this God's way. It's okay to say I've, I've, I've had a little bit wrong. It's okay for me as, as a, somebody who's this year has been baptized in Christ 40 years ago, I've been a minister for 30-something. Yeah, sometimes I'd say, God, I, I didn't say that quite right. Well, in coming back, I had to catch up a little bit along the way. So I was out front on the, on the, the house. And, and in the neighborhood, there was this 
little young man, looked like he was middle school age, and school's out this, this weekend. He was riding his skateboard around something, and what looked like his mother was on the sidewalk saying something to him. And then he just yells out, shut up! And I, yeah, I didn't know them, but I'm, I'm a dad, three kids, and, and you know, growing up, and still a young man who had to learn how to treat his mom and sisters right. And I had this feeling that I, I wish I could go and just sort of grab him by the scuff of the neck <laughs> and say, young man, you and I need to talk. But I had to resist that temptation. And this idea that sometimes we say the exact same thing to God. Well, maybe not those exact words, but that same attitude. Look at me over in Matthew chapter 21. Come on, Lord. Yeah, all right, we're, we're going to go some places today. And I, I, I hope our reaction to this is one of wanting God and putting my pride down so I can really connect with God. It says in chapter 21, verse 28, Jesus begins with this question. What do you think? I love this question. I love that he asks this. And I, I hope I can have time to say something about this in, in a few minutes, but God wants us to use that brain between our ears of Jesus. He goes on to say, there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard, whether it was the family vineyard that was owned or he was managing it, I, I don't know. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went and did the work. Then in verse 30, then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Well, the first they answered, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. He's talking to these religious leaders. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Uh, so much to look at here. But we're going to engage this, what do you think, this gray matter between our ears and God put there. We're going to look at this a little bit. This first point is the patience of God. The patience of God. It's implied here in a big way. I love this, that these two sons reacted differently, but the patience God gave them to get their attitude right. I love this about our Father. The patience. And for all you moms and dads out there, you know what it talks about when you would like to react one way to your children, but you end up giving them the patience to make it right. You have all kinds of thoughts in your mind about how you'd like to take them out by the scruff of the neck, right? But you are patient. And you'll let them, and you'll take, and you'll take the wounds from their words and attitudes that they say, because you want them to, to get to the right place. Lord is patient with us. How many times have I rebelled or had a rebellious attitude saying to God, shut up. I don't want to hear it. To him, to someone speaking his words, to the scriptures, my unwillingness to listen to it, to read it, to learn it, to be around people that live there, 
Shut up, God. I don't want to hear it. You know, here's an important point that if you're taking some notes, maybe perhaps at any point of the concern today that you might want to write down. We run out of life before God runs out of patience. We can rebel, rebel, rebel to our last breathing breath, but God still will be patient and give us that life to get it right. We'll run out of life before he runs out of patience. And I, I hope, our prayers are, that you make the decision that you want the right kind of relationship with him before that life runs out. Amen. To humble himself, not live the rebellion. God gives us opportunity to change he changed our attitude, our thinking, and our fantasies. He continued to put people in our lives, circumstances in our lives, thoughts in our brains, people to say something to us, to awaken us from the yeah. And we put that stiff arm out there. We walk away with the attitude, shut up. We may never say it to you especially to God, but that's the attitude we're living. Mm. Shut up. I've done enough for you and your church God stuff. We need to be more woke about God. <laughs> we're not woke enough. I've got an example for you of what I mean. And I think you all can kind of understand this to some degree. It's in the Old Testament. I'm just going to kind of read through it. I'm not trying to make a sermon out of the story, but just, you could. Uh, but make the point that this is not the attitude to have. This is the story of a famous general who was quite successful in battle, but he finds out he has leprosy. And it says in chapter 5, verse 1, and his king, his leader, wants to help him. 2 Kings, chapter 5, I'm sorry. 2 Kings, look at 2 Kings. Chapter 5, verse 1. Right after 1 Kings, that helps a lot. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got it. 2 Kings, chapter 5, verse 1. Now, Naaman, and that's the, the man of the, the general with the leprosy, was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man of the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would be would, uh, would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. I'll send a, a letter to him. And, and so Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman, to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send me uh, someone to be cured of leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, notice the Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. 
He was a prophet of God. Elisha sent the messenger out to him. Elijah didn't even come out himself. He sent the messenger. Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, I thought, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call the name of the Lord as God and wave his hand around on the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, where he's from, better than any of the red waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash them and be cleansed? So he turned off and went off in a rage. Naaman's, Naaman's servants went to him and said, uh, My father, uh, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? That seemed to get to him. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored. He became clean like that of a young boy. The Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there's, there's no God at all in the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. What a story. I thought it would be this way. I wanted to go like this. I, I expected it to be this way. He was going to come out in some kind of robe and big hat and, and, and all this pomp, and he was going to get, get down and I'd get on my knee. He'd go, oh, 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 bam, Shazam, it's like a lightning bolt sound, and I'd get up and I'm clean. And everybody would pick, take pictures, and it'd be in the newspaper, and it'd be on social media, I could see it on Facebook. Wow, it's going to be great. Everyone's going to Instagram and be all about it. He would come outside. He sent this intern to come out and say something. We get this idea of how we think God should do it. And we don't get our expectations met. We can stomp off and huff. How dare you say that to me? See some peon intern to come out to me. The truth is the truth is enough. No matter who says it. We need to be more woke about God. Because he may not do it the way we expect. Well, I grew up going to this and that kind of organization and church and thing. And, 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 and that's not. I, yeah. What does the Bible say? What does it say? God is patient with us. I love how even with Naaman's pride, his rebellion, he was given this opportunity to hear from his own servants who come, came to him and said, Father, Master, uh, it's not asking a lot. Uh, why not just do it? You do have leprosy. There is sin in our lives. We have broken relationships. I don't always feel happy. I struggle on the cusp of depression and OCD and all these other things. Why not listen to God? Ethanol is not going to fix this. Opioids aren't going to fix this. Amen. Whatever hedonistic pleasure I can get involved with isn't going to fix this. So that's not going to cure me. 
Why not wash the way God says to do it? Well, who am I to say, no, God, what are you thinking? What? Who am I to say something like that? Who? I'm just the creator. I'm just the clay pot that, that God took a bunch of elements from the periodic table and, and put together and blew a soul into it and said, there you go. Now, please do it my way. No, God, I, I got my own things to do. Maybe one day, but I got, I got stuff to do. <clears throat> Second point, if you would go back with me to, uh, to Matthew 21. Second point is, what do you think? I love how he starts out in verse 28 of Matthew 21. What do you think? He's saying, please use that brain that I've given you. You're self-aware. You understand the concept of time, a beginning and an end. I've let you do that. Even though linear time is not the existence of life, one day it's going to be circular where it all lives together, past, present, future, and time is no longer variable in that equation of existence. But anyway, uh, God, for now, anyway, he lets us exist and understand linear time. So I give you self-awareness and self-determination. But I want you to, to give it back, and that'll show the love, because I'm not going to make you. Coercion is not love. If I make you, then you're just an organic robot, and that's all I've created. I want to give you that choice. God wants us to use the brain he's given us. So if somebody says, oh, you Christians, you check your brain out to become a, a Christian. You're, you, you live on blind faith. I say, no, that's not quite the way it goes. That's right. Let me ask this question. Is it smart or advantageous to rebel against your creator? Think about that question for just a moment. Would that be smart or advantageous? No matter what age you are or anything. Well, your response might could possibly be, well, I don't believe in a creator. All right, let's continue that line of thinking for just a moment. I would say you're not using the gray matter between your ears that God gave you. Well, what do you mean? Consider this, there is something. Let's just for a moment call it a creation algorithm. Even one of the famous names of our time are before us, Albert Einstein. He said the universe is too ordered. There is a plan. He wouldn't go much farther than that. He didn't want to. Read his history being dragged from you know, the uh, steady state theory to the idea of the Big Bang Theory and why he went into the implications and, and universal constants to put his equations making energy work. He knew he couldn't yet accept Big Bang because it was the beginning where there's an end. And then what does that mean? There's a beginning and end. That means there's a creator. He did not want to go there. But he would say it's too ordered for there not to be a plan. Um, I have some pictures if I could. That was from the uh, Friday night prayer session. I forgot about this. And as the sun was setting up there on Hendricks Park, looking out over the, the city and, and the sun going down, it's a beautiful uh, place. If I go to the next uh, shop, if I could, and then on to the next one from here, I'd appreciate it. Here's uh, Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9 from the night. Seek the Lord uh, while he may be found. In other words, why you and I are alive. <laughs> uh, Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Notice that thought. You and I are responsible for our thoughts. What a novel idea. 
I'm responsible for the daydreams and fantasies I let myself have. All the way back from when I'm a little kid, I'm responsible. I wasn't taught that, but I'm responsible for what I allow to be in my internal being. Let him turn from the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. God, that's that patience again that God really wants to give us. Yes. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What? How dare you, God, put me down like that? Uh, I didn't create you. And I did put some capacity for, for uh, reasoning and mental awareness in you, but I did limit it. But yes, I made you. We see this scripture. We're going, okay, I, I don't know. How do you feel about that? How, how do you feel about that? Is it a put down? That's just some old sage years ago trying to control people so we'd live and not hurt each other all the time. It's like my older brother. That's what the guy looks like. He's like, well, aliens came here and seeded the earth with DNA, and that's how we got to be here. <laughs> I agree with the alien concept. The way we live our lives, Jesus was very alien when he came here. Amen. Do you want to accept? Or am I still want to live in too much rebellion to accept this? He said, I made you. I can set forth before you whatever I want to ask. Now, as a loving God, he set forth love and, and patience and kindness and forgiveness so that we can have a relationship with him and with each other and learn how to forgive so we can have the kind of relationships we need to have with each other. So if we rebel, we don't really learn forgiveness, and we end up having problems in a lot of our relationships. We're supposed to be together for a lifetime or longer, like with family and siblings and parents and others, and people we work with, live with, and know with. And we should have these great relationships, but what has happened? We haven't learned his way because we've rebelled. We don't, we're not born with knowing how to forgive. That's a learning thing. But we haven't learned those things. And so God says, well, look, I, I, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts above your thoughts. You know, if you think about this for a minute, if we have a, a being that can say, let there be light, and a universe is created, is unleashed with the power, let there be light, and 10 to the minus 43 seconds, boom, there it is, and the universe has begun. That is the God I believe in? Do I have trouble with this verse? Of course not. Should I have pride that would want to fight against that verse? Well, not if I understand who God is. If I understand his song he's singing to me, and not only does he have that kind of power and ability, has this kind of incredible love for me, and patience, and kindness, and wanting family. Why would I ever rebel against this? Because I can do family better than you, God? Because I can create my, create my own little universe? Let there be, I don't know, a... Uh, a house here, and I thought, that's me, that's my universe. Would I want to rebel against this? At best, I've got my X number of years, and that's it. I want to be with God and his people. If you go to the first uh, slide right before this one. Thank you. Metanoia, this is what God asks. At the end of this uh, passage of Matthew 21, verse uh, uh, 32, he says, And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe me. The, the word repent is metanoia. 
But I don't know if you all know what metanoia is. We think of repentance as some kind of religious term, but it simply means a change of mind. It's been a change of mind, change of way of life resulting from repentance or spiritual conversion. And I had to change my mind about what that song meant. That I've had for 30 years about what it meant that I was wrong. I believe some of us sitting here today have some mind change to undergo. Because we've been marching uh, our lives to the beat of a different drum. A song that really isn't quite from God. And the proof in that is, well, who are you preaching to say that to me? No one than just another created vessel that's had to go through the same thing. And I would say to you, look at the signs. The only internal commitment, happiness, fulfillment, or lack thereof. Our relationships in life and where they have gone. Those things, just those two things alone should tell us, I've got some mind change to undergo because things aren't working out the way God says they should. I should repent of this and these things. You know, uh, God has given us a brain so we can have a, a brain change. <laughs> we can have mind change because we have mind, right? Let's use that brain. Let's use that mind for God. And not just to do what we want. The world says, follow your heart. Explore. Figure out who you are. Be true to yourself. If I follow my heart, I wouldn't be a preacher. I wouldn't be faithful to one woman for 30 years. I'd probably be behind bars somewhere. Because all the thoughts I can have, all the daydreams and fantasies that can cross my mind, if I were to camp out on some of those fantasies for months and years at a time and act on them eventually, you know where my life would be? Finding my heart? Following my heart? Are you serious? No way! And I don't think I'm some kind of strange pervert. I think we're all this way. If we just let our thoughts go, let our you know, fantasies go, we could go anywhere. I mean, anywhere. Sure. You really want to just let that dog off that leash? Nope. Oh, my God. There it is. It is. It is. Wow. Follow your heart. What is that? Our thoughts, our desires, our fantasies, our daydreams. Anything I can come up with. And not only what I can come up with, but because of social media today, I can end up seeing and connect with anybody else's thoughts, desires, fantasies, and dreams, and that can become mine too. It is. And we see it in our society today. And we see what it's done in the past for those that's been around a while, past 30 years or so, how, how we accept things that we never would have thought is, is right 30 years ago. Right. Amen. Yeah. And you know what? It hasn't stopped. I fear this is only the beginning. But for the Christian, there's another beginning. I can't say no to those things. I don't have to be trapped and enslaved 
by the thoughts of this world, by the fantasies of this world. Look, we can have any thought out of anger. If somebody does something to us or disappoints us and we can, or hurts us, we can have all kinds of thoughts of retaliation, can't we? We can have that in traffic, can we not? We can have any kind of sexual fantasy and all kinds of, of thoughts have crossed our mind that we've had to push out. If we don't push them out, what happens? Those camp inside of us. And if we haven't learned this, we have these thoughts that camp inside of us from an early age. I'm talking about four or five and six years old. And then as those fantasies one day meet the passions of puberty, always thought of myself this way. I know, since you've allowed yourself to fantasize about since you were you know, single digit one hand age type things. How old are you? Yeah. We've allowed those thoughts. We haven't been trained or taught how to chase those away. And we will become what we think. You yes. heard her saying, hey, you are what you eat. Yeah. You know, physically that's true. And even probably you know, psychologically and as well, but, but we are what we allow ourselves to think. Yeah. Yes, we are. That's true. So we are. If I allow myself to get embittered by the way I've been treated by people, even in the church, then I would be a certain way. Right. If I allow myself to have certain sexual fantasies, then I'll treat people certain ways. Now look at certain stuff on TV and the internet. And it will eventually be my way of living and my actions. If you would look at me over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Hi, Kelly. Chapter 10 and uh, verse 3. You know, um, when you read the Bible, I guess I should say this at this point. I, I debated whether I was going to go here, but I guess I will. Um, look up the clock. I got a moment. Um, how, how God views our actions and thinking and fantasies versus the world. Let's say um, I am a, a, a man who's in a very desperate financial situation, and I steal bread from the market to take to my family to feed them. Is that still illegal, wrong, and sin? Yeah. Of yes, death? Of death? Is that yes, still? But but I, I did that. It wasn't for like a gain. I wanted to take it on my wife and my kids. They, they needed it. They were stuck. We all can empathize with that, can't we? But is it still a sin? Is it still illegal? Yes. The world can understand and excuse things when we can touch an emotional cord and say, you know, that's why I did it. God doesn't operate that way. His operation is, it's still a sin, but I'm going to forgive you and give you a way out. Yes. Yes. The world can't offer a way out. It can excuse and minimize the retribution and the punishment. But God says, I will forgive you. You have to own your sin, but I will forgive you and give you a way out. Well, how about the out of anger and mistrust because of abuse growing up is very violent and physical with people. 
Is that still wrong, illegal, and sinful? Yes. Yes. Now, we can go through all kinds of, of psychological gymnastics and hoops and, and come up with reasons why and understand and empathize with what happened in their past life. Is it still sin? Yes. But God will forgive if we own this and give us a way out. If we grow up with all kinds of sexual fantasies, we like to say, well, it's just in your DNA. That's who you are. And we try to empathize and understand and say, oh, well. God's made it abundantly clear that the only sexual activity we are to be condoned is between one man and one woman in bonds of marriage. Not, not premarital sex, extramarital sex, or whatever the person says. Amen. God's made that abundantly clear. Yeah. We've made many excuses for that, mm -hmm. to go outside those lines. But God says, if you own it, I will forgive, and I'll give you a way to be forgiven. Yes. So, can I read a scripture in just a moment about that? Um, as a, I've said this many times before, but at an eight, nine-year-old, um, my dad taught us about the birds and bees in a very unique way, in a very destructive way for a young man. For me and my older brother, uh, we didn't have an emotional bond with my dad, and he didn't really teach us a lot of things that, you know, in, in a way that um, you'd want a parent to. I love my dad. There's many incredible. He passed away in 2007. Many amazing things about. He's a physician, very intelligent man. And, uh, anyway. Uh, Going on, his way of teaching us about the birds and bees was have my mom buy us Playboys back in the late 60s. So, as a eight, nine year old, guess how I grew up viewing women? I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. So, a couple of years later, when I have all those images in my mind meeting with the passions of puberty, bah, guess what comes out the other side? To me, that's, that sounds like the song of life. That's what I was singing. One God's song. I, I had that one totally mixed up. It wasn't just a little bit, like kiss on your list or lips. It was, it was totally different. I had it. But God says, if you own this, I forgive you. And he can change anything and everything if we'll own it, accept his forgiveness, and find his way in. You know, listen to the way he provides his way out. Where I could have said, I've been this way since I've been eight. God, that changed me. That's just who I am. And if you were to extrapolate life beyond that and going from relationship to relationship to relationship, because that's the way I view woman. Women, how many women are going to be satisfied with a man who views her that way? How long are you going to live with that? My life's going to be characterized by broken relationship after broken relationship after broken relationship. Marriage after marriage after marriage. There's different sets of kids here, there, and everywhere. And that's where a lot of my friends and I grew up together. Similar. I became a disciple of Jesus. They did not. And so now, 35 years, 40 years later, after this is my 40th year anniversary from graduating high school, and a lot of those guys, I see their lives still in touch with some of them. That's where I would have been. Same place. God says, I'll forgive, and I'll give you a way out, 
But you've got to own this. You can't just make an excuse. You've got to own this. So let's close out with 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3. For though we live in the world, and we do, right? You have little, little stickers you can put on the back of your car. Uh, you know, not of this world. It's kind of faded in its popularity. But, uh, for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. We approach things very differently. We've got to see God's way and not the world's way. Well, the world has many songs, many ways of thinking, many attitude songs, many drinking songs. It needs to go on and on and on. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. The tools he's given us are totally different. But he's given us tools nonetheless, and you can learn how to use them. And we all have some tools of some type, don't we? I mean, we, pick, we can pick up a pencil or pen and write. We can get on the computer punch the keys and, and write stuff. We can send stuff on our phone. I mean, we, we have a lot of tools in life. Some of us like to get out and build stuff. We've got a circular saw, and we, we've got a, you know, a hammer, and we've got some nails. And we build stuff. I like to work with metal a lot on old vehicles. I like to build old vehicles again. But we can learn how to use these tools if we want. He says in verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I've been thinking that way since I was eight. That's just who I am. God says it doesn't have to stay that way. Whatever stronghold you have, it can be chained. It can be demolished and a new one built. Come on. We demolish arguments and every pretense, anger, pride, lustfulness, bitterness that sets us up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Some people see that take every thought captive. Woo, that sounds exhausting, tiring. I, I wouldn't want to do that. You're not going to own it. It ain't going to change. Right? To take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of obedience. I was going to tell you a story about my son. You and I are responsible for what we feel, think, we fantasize about what we dream about. That's what he says. That's his song. That's not mine. I, I didn't write that verse. Oh, there's other verses. I, I didn't get that together. I would have been much different in life. I would have come out with kind of a late 60s view of life. I'm okay. You're okay. There's all the flowers in your hair. Enjoy San Francisco. And da, 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 da. Let's, let's just all get along, can't we? God's got another story, another song. I want to sing his song because my song doesn't produce much very good at all. And I know because I've had a bunch of years to prove that. We all have our own years to prove that. My best thinking got me. God's best thinking is totally different. He's got a different song. And some of us have been singing a different song. Some of us say, you know what? Shut up, God. I got my own sin. That's your attitude? That's your attitude. And you can take that one to the grave if you want. Because God's love is not going to coerce you and make you be different. If you don't want to sing his song, he's not going to make you. You can sing, mutter, whatever you want to do until the last breath. But God says, if you own it, I'll forgive and I'll give you a new song. It's a great scripture from the Old Testament. Yes. God will put a new song upon us. Heart. Great scripture to pray about it, but we get the choice. Let's sing this song. Let's pray. God, thank you for your song.
That's a beautiful melody. The lyrics are amazing. I pray we'll listen. It requires humility. It requires surrender. It requires accepting that I have not let myself think the things I should be thinking. And I want to own it. Because I want your forgiveness. And I want to forgive others. And I want to learn the way out. I don't want to have to be just simply stuck in the wrong way of thinking. I see what it does to relationships. I see what it does to me internally, the lack of fulfillment. Why would I walk away and deny that there's even a creator? It's obvious there's some kind of plan out there. Why would I ignore that and tell whatever it is to shut up? I've been made. I didn't, I didn't pull that lever, pop out of the womb and say, here I am. Father, you, you made us. Help us to accept that and not in our pride rebel and say, shut up. And don't come to me with humility and say, I want to sing your song, God. I want to sing it the way you want me to sing it. We love you and bring your sons in.